Whatcha gon', whatcha gon', whatcha gonna do when this podcast comes for you, that's right. For the very first time ever, I watched <laughs> End of Watch. Lazy one, but I, I mean, come on. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome to Clear Tented Classics, the show where I, your host, Jake Ryan Baker, watch classic movies for the very first time and give my nostalgia-free opinions on them. And today is a very special episode. We're covering a cool movie, kind of a recent movie. We also have a first-time guest. I'm so happy to welcome on him, the, the rather, on the show for the first time. Hunter Nino is joining me for the very first time on the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jake. <laughs> it's so nice to have happy you. Happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, so I was just had a guest on recently, and I was did a bad job explaining how we knew each other, so I'm going to try to uh, do a better job this time. Uh, I think the first time we met was on the set of a film we were both a part of macabre mountain i i'm not crazy right that's that's where no we that is that is correct we met on the set of macabre mountain down in west virginia there yeah and that was a that was a real wild shoot it's certainly the biggest shoot i've ever been a part of um but i i de we didn't get a chance to talk too in depth about what it is that you do are you primarily an actor you, you i think you're a producer as well do you make your own films and, and what, what's yeah. your what's what's all going on with that Yep. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to give the full rundown here. Yeah, please. So I work for a company, um, that me and a couple other guys that make movies started called horror dads productions. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's called that because we are all dads and we all make <laughs> horror movies and that's what we like to do. Um, There's no, no so, trickery here. <laughs> <laughs> no trickery there. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty out there. So right now our main, our, our main focus is a uh, found footage horror movies, but we're trying to broaden that scope a little bit. We have, um, Let's see. I want to say three on Tubi, a couple on Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Nothing, nothing like super spectacular, but we're out there and we're trying to gain traction. So that's kind of how I got it. I mean, that, that's, that's a lot more impressive than most people. That's, that's still really cool. You've got so many out there already. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, and I can drop the names of them too later on, or, you know, if you want me to, I'm not trying <laughs> hey, to self I mean, feel, feel free to plug them right now. We're, we're on the topic. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, um, Hordez Productions has a couple movies, um, a few made before we were a thing, but they're kind of under our banner now. Uh, we're looking at The Devil's Children, which is on Tubi, The Flock, which is on Tubi, and Tahoe Joe, which is on Tubi. All of those okay. were directed by Dylan Brown. Nice. And then uh, I, I'm a producer on The Flock and Tahoe Joe as well. Sorry, I had a message pop up. Uh, I'm a producer <laughs> on The Flock and Tahoe Joe. The Devil's Children was made before Hordez was fully solidified. And then we have Mothman, directed by Joshua Brucker, which is on uh, Amazon and soon to be Tubi as well. Uh, a few other streaming platforms in there: POV Horror, Wicked Horror TV, things oh, wow. like that. That's where that's where we are. We're trying to solidify our names. You know, we have a bunch of cool projects coming up this year. I'll be involved in a lot, but yeah, I, I'm a producer and I've directed a short film too. And um, oh wow. We're just, we're going from there, you know? I do, you I saying, do a mix of you, everything. Were you saying a lot of these films are like a found footage style? Yeah, correct. A lot of these footage, or a lot of these films are found footage. Actually, all of them are. Is there a particular, are you guys just really attracted to that style? Or uh, are you a big fan of the genre? You know, honestly, I don't really know why we've done mainly found footage right now. I think it's just easy to do, and we can kind of do it on a whim. Our stuff is really micro budget from Tahoe uh -huh. Joe being $800 up to... Mothman being north of twenty thousand dollars. Oh wow! Um, 
so we kind of we kind of do that. Like I said earlier, it's not our main focus. That we do eventually want to do a non-found footage. It's just right now that's what's easiest for all three of us. Uh, sure. We live all over the country, so do you guys? Are these found footage movies sort of the classic? Someone with a camera is filming things, or, or have you been? I was talking to a couple people recently, and they've been really experimenting with the kind of like you know, for example, people won't see this, but me and you are like staring at each other's faces right now. And that's kind of becoming like a bit of a style where you do these movies that are people in Zoom calls and stuff like that. Is that something you guys have ever messed around with? We have not, but I really like that idea. Um, and I would actually like to do something like that eventually because that would be a really cool way to make a movie. I've seen a few movies that have done things like that. We have not. Our, our stuff is through a person holding the camera okay. or security okay. footage or body camera. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting because like it can be really effective, especially this computer stuff, because at this point, everyone can kind of relate to it. Uh, and I was even talking to, I don't know if it was friend of the show, Ashley or Bryn or somebody, but there's that horror of like, if something's happening behind somebody else, but they're halfway across the country and there's nothing you can do about it. It's actually this like really existential thing that can tap into something. So that's a lot of fun. Do you, I know you were in front of the camera a little bit in macabre mountain do you do much acting yourself i'm trying to get more into it so that's that's primarily my main role in horror dad's productions i don't really care per se so much to be a director myself i like to act am i good at it i don't know you probably hear opinions <laughs> on everything but i try my best you know and um so here in 2023, we have a few movies lined up we're doing from each of the directors, not me, myself. I, I actually have a project coming in 2024, hopefully, knock on wood, uh, a pretty out there project. But Oh, uh, <laughs> what a I, tease. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like to act. That's, that's my passion. That's cool. Right? Have, you, wanna... have you mostly been in the movies you've produced or have you been in a lot of stuff? How long have you been um, doing it? Well, if I had to say how long I've been doing it for, off and on since 2015, but okay. nothing major um, until the movies that we have now. I'm not in The Devil's Children of the Flock, but I am in Mothman and Tahoe Joe in post credit scenes. Um, a movie coming out from us this year, well, that we're filming this year. I can't say it's coming out this year. I don't know that technicality yet. Sure, sure. But a movie that we're doing this year, I, I do play a much bigger role. And then uh, our our movies are all connected um, in one way, shape, or form. So I play a recurring character in a few of them. Okay, that's cool. And what is it about acting that like so that draws you to it? You know, I'm not sure. I've always <laughs> just liked to pretend when I was a kid, and it kind of translated uh, going further. Uh, m mainly just film. You know, I like to watch stuff and just see people become something else. And I don't know, that's kind of what attracted me to it. I just like to pretend. Are you mostly interested in like screen acting or have you ever dabbled in theater or anything like that? Um, just screen. I have been in a play that was way back years ago <laughs> in high school. Um, not, not for me. I'm all about, you know, screen acting. It's a lot, it's a lot of work. I mean, I, I love, I love a stage play. I love, honestly here in Fort Wayne, it's how I've met a lot of the actors I've worked with is because we have like a very, robust theater scene but you know some people they really love the stage they love the immediate feedback of it they love the spending all the time memorizing the stuff and some people they prefer the screen and they are two very different animals so but i've met plenty of people that can do both too so it's just oh, i'm just always great. interested in it because they're such it's weird how you're acting but they're such different worlds you know uh, <laughs> oh, i give i give a lot of respect to you know people that like to be on stage 
it's it's like you just said it's a whole different animal you know it's a different world and it's not the world for me i, I like screen i like to be behind or, or not behind i guess in front of the camera so mm-hmm. so i'd love to hear and i always like uh for new guests to tell me a little bit about their taste in film just so people can sort of get a feel for what you're into i don't necessarily i'm not going to try to press you on what your favorite movie is of all time if you have one please feel free to shout it out but you know i'd like are you a horror guy primarily do you like everything i'm a horror guy i love horror movies that's what i would like to act in but you know if i if i had an opportunity i'd like to do something else but yeah horror is my passion i absolutely love it anything scary spooky creepy crawly blood guts (laughs) gore it's all for me do you you know, because horror has become so diverse these days, do you have like specific subgenres that you, lo- you love? Like, are you a psychological guy, a slasher guy, or is it just like anything horror that's your jam? Or do you have like you a know, specific flavor that you love? I, I like high octane horror. And what okay. I mean by that is very in your face, lots of action. You know, I, I respect a good slow burn, but if there's, if there's, whether it's a slasher or even, you know, a paranormal activity poltergeist type of movie, or monster i love monster movies so if there's okay. if there's a big thing whatever it may be from person to monster to ghost or ghoul if it's if it's in your face that's that's what i like okay it sounds like you're a fan of like practical effects too oh uh, absolutely yeah i mean it's it's interesting like it's funny it feels like the indie world is one of the only places that's really keeping that stuff alive you know <laughs> oh yeah uh, you know there's a lot these days you can kind of just if you have the money to throw at it it's just like i just cgi it but i feel like on indie sets there's a lot of like emphasis on like no put the tube in there and spurt the blood out (laughs) and stuff like that and we're we're only seeing those kind of effects like almost weirdly in like lower budget movies for the most no i i agree i oddly enough i've noticed that same thing myself you know just looking at the differences especially being more involved with the indie world lately here do you um have you been watching movies like your whole life or is it something you've come to later? Have you always been a big film fan, even as a kid, or is it sort of a more recent thing for you? No, always, always my entire life from the moment I could remember watching a movie. It's always been scary stuff and scary stuff. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I think I was like three or four years old when I watched a very, very scary movie that scarred me for years, but I I love it now. (laughs) It's weird because I've been, I've interviewed a lot of people for this show and whenever I come across someone who's like a big horror junkie, it seems like that's the common thread is they saw like Hellraiser when they were three and they've (laughs) just been a fan ever since or something, which is funny because I had the opposite experience. I saw Child's Play when I was too young. And it put me off horror movies for years. I was too scared. And and Child's Play, in retrospect, is practically a horror comedy. So it's a really funny one for me to have been terrified by as a kid. But I've noticed a lot of people watch like Halloween when they were six. And it's like, I've just loved horror ever since. I'm just like, damn. (laughs) Halloween was one of my first ones I was exposed to. However, the one I remember being the very first one that scared me for years, but gave me the interest to horror movies was The Exorcist. Mm. That's a big one. That's one that can still really get under your skin like to this day. (laughs) It's, It's a really well done movie, though. I mean... The Exorcist is like straight up a masterpiece. So you're going to be introduced to something that early. That's not a bad one. (laughs) That that was actually by complete happenstance too. I couldn't go to sleep one night when I was younger. And I I remember all this. I walked down into the living room. 
a couple of the older, you know, people in my family were must have been having a movie night because that's what was playing. They told me, hey, this is going to be too scary. But they gave me the option to stay or go. And I chose <laughs> to stay. And yeah, it was a it was a unique experience. I want to say it was the head turn scene, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of terrifying scenes. What's funny is I think a lot of people talk about her like walking backwards, but I believe that's a deleted scene that's sort of so. become infamous that people have maybe Mandela affected into their memory as being part of the movie, but it's actually like a deleted scene that's just really famous. Uh, but it's yeah, it's pretty yep. horrifying. So it really oh, sticks yes. out. <laughs> Anything moving that unnaturally is a quick way to send shivers up my spine. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. Like an unnatural movement is so effective. Like one of the most effective horror things I've seen recently was just like it was just someone was on a subway train, just this really short film, and there's just a guy walking down the aisle and he's moving really just he just kind of like shrugs his shoulders in a weird way, and you're just like you're like, wow, that's like effectively creepy. It, it, even infinitely more creepy than someone like pumping ten million dollars into some sort of weird effect. It's just a guy kind of moving awkwardly and you're like yeah. totally skeeved out by it. <laughs> it's what people can do to their bodies, you know, practically or yeah. just being able to contort because of double jointed, you know, I, it's it can be creepy. It can it can <laughs> turn you off for sure. Just like wow. So I'm curious, um, as far as this uh the film that we're talking about as a part of the main topic, I know you said it intrigued you because of the found footage element, but uh it is definitely a found footage style movie, but it's also very much a movie in like the sort of cop cat I mean, I feel like cop is almost its own category of movie maybe throw a little action drama on top of it. If we're totally categorizing it is like the, is like the buddy cop genre. Is that something that you watched a lot of? You know, not really. I can't tell you probably too many cop movies or TV shows I've actually ever watched. And that comes from being, you know, in law enforcement prior myself. Oh really? But that never, is it just too close to home or is it just, just you were more of a horror fan. So you're not watching that kind of stuff too often. It's kind of a mixture of both. Uh, especially the years I was working as a police officer, I, I chose to avoid anything, you know, I, I don't like bringing work home. <laughs> sure. and, uh, I just, just seeing, you know, the offbeat, like stuff that, that when it happened type thing, you know, that's, that's poor training or whatever. It's not, you know, it's not something I want to sit there and have on my mind, you know? Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause this movie in particular I did a little bit of research after watching it and you, I can, I found a couple of videos of like uh former police officers sort of like reacting to how realistic the film was. Cause this is a very like gritty street level film. That, this is a, this does feel very authentic in a lot of aspects. Yeah. Like the video I watched was like a, it's like a green beret who was a police officer for some time, sort of like going through some of the scenes. And he basically was like, most of these scenes are pretty realistic. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but like the opening he said is a little weird the way they handled that particular moment. But other than that, it's like shockingly accurate. And it's interesting because, uh, the director and writer is David Ayer. I think weirdly, even though he's directed quite a few films, he's maybe most well known for writing, uh, the script for training day. He didn't direct that okay. film, uh, but he wrote it. And then, uh, Antoine Fuqua is the one that actually directed and training day is straight up one of my favorite films of all time. I just adore them. Have you ever seen Training Day? You know, I yes, I have, but I watch so many movies, and there mm -hmm. are periods of time where I don't 
you know, for an extended period. Um, I don't remember a whole lot about it. You know? Oh no, no, it's totally fine. I just, uh, it's just, it's mostly memorable just for the Denzel performance. That's like the highlight, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's a really good intense movie. It makes sense. Like there's a reason why there's so many medical dramas on TV and so many cop dramas on TV is because just the day-to-day flow of, answering these calls it's just inherently dramatic so but it's also interesting with this film because i think the buddy dynamic of it is what is so strong about the film and so i've actually been covering a lot of uh i've done a couple shane black movies for the podcast recently like kiss kiss bang bang and uh the last boy scout and there's just okay it's i was having a conversation with a friend recently and i was talking about how sometimes when you're writing a movie because uh, I'm a writer and director myself, and when you have a movie that's like centered around one single character, sometimes it can be kind of hard to define who they are as a person. And she she's a, like a casting director, so she we were talking about how sometimes when you have a movie where there's one main character, it's actually hard to like put out a casting call because you have a hard time defining who that is. But then when you have a movie with like multiple characters and they have like specific little quirks. It's easier to pin that down. And I, and I really do love the dynamic of, in film when you have like two central characters and they can bounce off each other because you get sort of a sense for who each character is based on how they uh, interact with each other. Like, you know, in this movie, it feels like Michael Pena is maybe more, uh, you know, he's a little bit more of the level headed guy uh, and he's a little calmer, but then he's got a fiery side to him for sure. And Jillian Hall's like more of the, I'm going to go for it type of jarhead. I mean, I think they even say he has like military training in the movie and stuff. Uh, And so it's just, it's just their dynamic is, is really interesting. I think what makes the movie sing, was there a particular reason other than the found footage element that you were thinking you wanted to cover this film for? Are are you a big fan of it? You know, um, uh, I am a huge fan of this movie. Actually. I I do love this movie and I, I don't know really what it is about it. I mean, going back to the, a lot of the authenticity that, is shown throughout this film um, be being law enforcement. I mean, it's one of those ones that you can watch and you don't have to be so upset at. Um, and at the same time, you know, you can be upset at, you know, for what happens. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's got the good, like I've experienced something along the lines of that or, sure. you know, uh, and the chemistry amongst the characters anyway, uh, phenomenal in my opinion. Yeah. You know, like, uh, even just some of the banter, not even between the main guys, but just that one of those early scenes where they're doing the morning meeting and you just hear yeah. some of the background chatter and they're kind of busting each other's balls and stuff. It's just this very, uh, like it's like this fraternity of people, you know, there's a, there's a camaraderie, but there's a ball busting nature to it that you don't see in a lot of other, uh, it, it can be a very aggro workplace. It seems like, I mean, was that kind of like, you know, you know, experiencing it yourself how authentic do you feel like this movie is to your experience that that's a great point i mean yeah the banter back and forth uh is exactly what it is you know once it's kind of like from people that i know that have been in the military that i've talked to um once you go through the training no blood sweat tears and time are what you give to the academy to boot camp to all that stuff that somebody goes through um it's a brotherhood you know it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood amongst the people that have been there with you they you have that experience that other people don't, you've, you know, you've seen things that other people haven't or, you know, avoid. And so 
Yeah, it is a, like you mentioned, an agro workplace. Um, the only way to survive sometimes mentally is to be, uh, you know, have a sense of dark humor and be able to sure, sure, really take a lot of, you know, you have to have thick skin, be able to take a lot of verbal abuse um, and not necessarily in a bad way. It's just it, it alters your perception of, you know, normal conversation or day to day life. You you have to evolve. And yeah. sometimes the only way to do it is is through that dark humor or busting somebody else's balls, you know, in terms of what you say to them or what they say back to you. It's been interesting for me, um, you know, getting into, I, I came to filmmaking, like, it wasn't until like college that I started sort of dipping a toe into the more creative side of life, you know, and I've noticed, um, because I grew up playing sports and, I, uh, there's a mentality that comes with being on a basketball team or a football team or wrestling that I've noticed sometimes people that didn't experience that, like in high school there's there is like a ball busting like bro brotherhood nature to like going through the shit with somebody where it's like we had to run five miles together today and died with no water because it was like 99 degrees out and shit and uh there's really i don't long for those times but i do think they were quite formative for me was did you play sports growing up at all i did i i did basically i tried everything and stuck with you know a few things so um I, I can say that I agree with you. You're, you're experiencing that with somebody, you know, and it, it brings you closer inevitably, um, be it running on a basketball court, football field, track, you know, cross country, anything. Mm -hmm. um, you're there. You're right alongside somebody going through the same shit, you know. Did you feel, um, and as far as this movie goes, do you, I know you said like, oh, I, you know, when you were in, in the thick of it, you didn't necessarily love watching this kind of stuff. But when you watch it, do you? How does it strike you these days, you know, like having been through that experience? I mean, I, it sounds like you found it authentic, but do you think it hits you a lot harder because you've experienced those things too? Or do you think, I mean, I feel like there's a universal appeal to the film, but it, this film really does thrive on the street level authenticity that it's presenting for sure in a way that I don't see a lot of other more like glossy, high budget uh, cop films doing. So I'm curious how this one hits you just as someone that went through that um to me it's a sigh of relief uh <laughs> and i say that because i'm not doing it anymore <laughs> sure you know? and, it, and it makes me feel bad for the guys that are yeah um, yeah it's it, it's a noble it, it can be a noble profession and it's definitely something that's not cut out or that not everybody's cut out for um so watching it now you know especially near the end you know i don't want to jump too far ahead in the conversation but you know some of the things like you're you're there with somebody and it's it's a unique experience so watching it post law enforcement um is definitely a sigh of relief for me because i'm I'm able to step out of that mindset and step out of that world and not be as consumed by it yeah it's really interesting uh like the video i watched he talked a lot about you know you see some terrible things sometimes and i've heard it from every profession firefighters uh people mm -hmm. that drive ambulances and stuff where even in, uh, in my home city, we had a recent thing where it was like a lot of our ambulance workers were incredibly overworked where they're having to work 18 hour shifts. And it's like, you see somebody die and then it's like, all right, you got 12 more hours of your shift to go. You know, you see these harrowing things and you're supposed to just kind of shake it off and move on with your day. I am curious, um, when you were on 
when you were doing police work, were you in a system where you had a partner and you guys were out patrolling? What was that experience like for you? Uh, no, actually, we did not. We were in single main cars. However, a lot of the calls, especially I worked in two different cities. The one city that I worked with before the small town I worked for, that was a uh, it was a single man car. However, most requirements, if you went to something, you were always going to go with another officer, you know, okay. just two, two separate vehicles. But he, that that's when you would coincide or correspond with the other person and be able to do whatever. Um, so, no, we didn't. We actually didn't sit in the car. The only time we sat in cars together was during what's known as FTO, which is field training. Okay. Um, you sat with an FTO officer, which is a field training officer. They basically, once you get done with the academy, you you know, then you start your actual job as a police officer. Um, and you have to you have to be cut out for the job. They they the academy teaches you, you know, the knowledge to become a police officer, but field training teaches you how to be a police officer. You know, and uh, that's that's where you're really thrown to the wolves. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like movies have given us this weird sense that uh, most cops are out there with a partner and running around but i think that's definitely way more of like a big big city thing you know even mm -hmm. in port wayne i feel like every time i've seen a police officer driving around i don't tend to see somebody else in shotgun you know but i think for movies it really works because you want that back and forth you want those characters to be able to play off each other so i think that's why it's such a trope but i do think it's funny how much people are like nope it's just me alone running license yeah. plates and shit <laughs> oh my god yeah that's that's absolutely it though you know I, I you do see it a lot in movies um all the time but yeah i, I agree i, I want to say that's a lot bigger city stuff um and, and certain precincts or neighborhoods uh, is where you're going to see maybe a two officers deal um smaller towns no i yeah. mean unless you know somebody happens to be scheduled with another officer it, it happens sometimes it's just it's not common to the departments that i know of uh, that I've, you know, interacted with or the departments I've worked for. So it's interesting too, because a lot of these movies will sort of, uh, sensationalize what the day to day is. I will say I give end of watch credit because even though it's not super obvious about it, it clearly takes place over a very long period of time. It's mm -hmm. not like, yeah. it's not like everything that happens in this movie happens within a week. Like it's mm -hmm. like, we literally, like you see a relationship that hasn't even started yet and we see them get married at one point. So you can, yep. you can assume that a lot of time has passed, but even so they still do get in a lot of pretty insane scraps. Like I've heard plenty of people say they served like 20 years on the force and they never discharged their weapon once. And these guys get into like multiple gunfights and yes. stuff. So and, but... and that's, <laughs> and, and that's very true. You know, law enforcement itself uh, is a very, it, it changes through every department. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just, a small town guy is not going to experience what a big, you know, a big city guy is going right. to. It's just, you know, is it a gunfight every day? No, no, no. There, you know, you, you show up, at least the guys I know and myself show up hoping to never have to even put their hand on their gun. Right, right. Um, it, it, you know, it inevitably happens. I've had to do that. You know, I've had to put my hand on my gun and draw, but it's not necessarily a, you know, no gunfights or, you know, back and forth, you know. Uh, I guess like Call of Duty video game type sure, scenario. Sure. <laughs> um, it, you know, every experience. Is, I, I worked for a pretty, you know, I worked for a city that had a ton of call for services a year. And I, you know, I never had to utilize my taser. I go to a small town and, and you know, had to use my taser. So <laughs> every, every experience is completely different. Um, and I, I'm not even saying that as like on a person, just utilizing the taser in one way, shape or form. Um, you know, obviously I don't want to give away any, 
anything. Oh, no, please. Uh, to, but... Feel free to <laughs> keep whatever you need too close to the vest. But I just find <laughs> it interesting that uh, you've had the experience. So, of course, I wanted to, you know, it, but it is like, you know, the movies do sensationalize. I will say, you know, in this particular movie where these are L.A. cops that are presumably serving in like South Central and stuff like that, which is a very, uh, very competitive, uh, interesting place to be. Uh, uh, this movie, I think, takes place. I mean, I assume it's present day, so 2012. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah so, I mean, there's certain like just areas that are uh, more uh, alive than others. You know? Oh yeah, and sometimes they're pretty sleepy, and some aren't. Like here in the town I live in, there's we don't even have a stoplight, and it's like news <laughs> that somebody's like car got broken into or whatever. It's like holy shit. Uh, but yeah, but then yeah. again, you and never know. Like someone could be in some small town, like running the biggest meth business of all time, and you could never know. So <laughs> it's, it's 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 a dynamic. It all, it's constantly <laughs> changing. You know. Um. So are you are you a big fan at all of Gyllenhaal or Pena or Air uh, David Ayer? Any of those guys like big names for you? Or was your attraction this movie mostly the found footage element no i i am a fan of gyllenhaal and pena uh they're both you know i i do watch a lot of their movies i i think that maybe what attracts to this movie a lot too is just because i do enjoy seeing the familiar faces mm -hmm. um and they they do such a great job in portraying you know officers in the scenarios that they get in, in these movies that really you know hollywoodized i, I can't say hollywoodized um just like you said, like the just the image that the movie portrays, the gunfights all the time. They they do really well in being able to handle those situations and being feeling so authentic and real and yeah, yeah. The bond they have with each other. I gotta say, um, uh, this movie was. I'm I'm kind of happy that this wasn't a movie that was particularly on my radar. But watching it last night for the first time, uh, I was like, I think I was like 30 minutes in. I was like, is this movie like really fucking good? Like, what is like, what am I watching right now? Like, because I had always heard it was good. But I, the thing is, like, I like Michael Pena. I think everyone likes Michael Pena. He's awesome. But he's also typically more of a comedic actor, you know? Yeah. And this absolutely. is, a, and the, yeah, he's funny in this movie, but this is a very serious movie. And I yes. like Gyllenhaal, but I've never been the world's biggest Gyllenhaal fan either. I've never seen Nightcrawler. That's a big one I need to do for. Oh, the, that's, the a, show that's a great point. It's been recommended to me a million times. I just need to rip the bandaid off and watch it finally. But. I'm just like more than anything in this movie. I'm so blown away by their two performances. Their chemistry is maybe some of the best chemistry I've ever seen put on film. It, it is like remarkable how much you care about these two characters because they care about each other so much. Oh yeah. But there's so many layers to their characters too, where they do have that sort of like bro, like, uh, like I love you, man, but like not in a gay way. Uh, like there's that shield of like, we're still masculine men and we have to kind of fight through that and we're in this tough environment, but they really love each other so much. Uh, and their chemistry is, is like bonkers and it's crazy. Cause like I watched a brief little interview with them and Pena was kind of talking a lot about, yeah, you know, for like the first two months, I just, I was kind of cold, but then we kept, you know, we were going through all this basic training and ride alongs. And eventually, you know, you just kind of have to form a bond kind of like what happens when you're on the force where you're just spending every day with this person and eventually you're just like i i will protect this guy with my life you know and uh you really feel it in the movie and that's what i think makes the movie sing more than anything but also the cast is like it's crazy to just see like david harbour show up 
for two yeah. seconds. And he yeah. was like, oh, shit, uh, David Harbour's in this movie. <laughs> Honestly, that's one of the first movies I've seen David Harbour in, to be yeah, honest with you. And he's myself, like, personally. Like, he's such a big star now. It's funny yeah. to see him in this like smaller asshole role. And oh, yeah. he just like catches a knife in the eye and he never sees it again. He has one of the best monologues in the movie, though. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, God, the, perfor- the performances great. are so good, I think. And they are. Even just bit parts like Anna Kendrick and America Ferrara and Frank Grillo just all show up for like two seconds and you're just like, oh shit, all these people are just in this movie. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah, you definitely, you definitely don't expect it. And I think, and that's, that's part of the reason why I think it's so great is you're just, you're watching this movie and like you, like you said, you're like, oh my gosh, is this actually better than what I thought it was going to be? And all these guys are making, you know, cameo appearances or something that's, it connects, you know, and it meshes well very well together yeah uh, i think that's as good a time as any to like dive into the movie proper honestly uh like i said uh in the uh, video i watched they do like we have this car chase that's almost done entirely from the dash cam of their police car and the chase itself i think is pretty it's i, I like how not crazy over the top it is it's just like a car they're chasing they're kind of speeding but it's it's pretty realistic car maneuvers uh, and then they do like a, a pit maneuver on the car and sort of flip it around. It crashes, and then the guys that are in the car get out, and start blasting immediately. And then, they, uh, like I said, the video I was watching, this is like the one thing the guy highlighted as being a little unrealistic, where we just see Pena and Gyllenhaal sort of march forward, no cover, firing at these guys and taking them out. It's like a little, little Terminator esque. It's a little, it's not super tactical. Uh, but it looks good on camera because we're seeing it from the dash cam. So I get why they did it. Uh, but yeah. And again, I like how realistic it's almost a throwaway line, but that's like our opening scene. Right. And then the next scene we get, uh, not quite the next scene, but we find out pretty quickly that they were on leave for a month because they were involved in a shooting, which is something that happens. It's like, if you're involved in a shooting, they got to like do an investigation. They got to figure out what was going on. You get put on leave no matter how, like much danger you were in they investigate it and i like that in other movies it's like you have cops just like firing all the time and it's like not even they don't even give a shit in this movie it's like nope they were involved in an officer shooting they had a month off they they even complain later about he's like i didn't even know what the fuck to do with myself i was stuck at home for a month and stuff so i just i like that little touch that's, yeah, you know <laughs> that's extremely accurate to what happens you know like you said a little terminator-esque on them marching <laughs> forward yeah they, they would have, that would have been handled that very differently um however yes the whole you know officer involved shooting um use of force incident like that especially a homicide you know a loss of life is considered a homicide right uh yeah that leave and you know you're gonna have an external investigation by an outside agency and then you're gonna have an internal investigation through your own agency both to correspond with each other uh, typically a sheriff's department or state police would come in and do that at that point. Um, so yeah, uh, that's not, that's not far off from the truth being a month. I could see it taking longer than that in most instances, probably, but you know, for the sake of time and everything else is going on. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna be the, the, way the way it's presented with those guys jumping out of the car and immediately shooting and it being on camera. I think it's like, <laughs> yeah. presumably it was kind of an open shut case where it was like, they started firing and then you guys shot them. Like, wasn't really complicated to figure out whether it was you know quote unquote justified or whatever uh so i could kind of i mean i get why maybe it was a little bit yeah no like sometimes you could spend like half a year trying to figure out something which again goes to show you like how infrequent 
that kind of stuff is. Yeah. And then you have to look at department policy too. You know, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of no pursuit policies going around now because uh, you got to look at the danger to other people as well. You mm-hmm. know, um, in a, in a high speed chase, it's not just you and them. It's, you have to look at bystanders. Oh yeah. You know? People, people have been hurt and, uh, in the, in mm-hmm. situation, even this, even this chase, there's a couple times where there's like someone on the sidewalk who like has to dodge out of the way and shit or someone oh, yeah. in the alley that they're going down. That's like, Holy shit. And like dives away. Like people are like, it is like, get their license plate. We'll catch them later. Cause like, if we try to chase these people, uh, you know, there's something bad will happen. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, and you know, maybe that chase, and we never get the front end of why, why they were in that pursuit. You right, know, right. Um, so, you know, you have to look at all angles of it, you know, just to make sure that that was a, uh, a validated and justifiable pursuit and use of force incident. But at, at least, at least the movie portrays it well, in terms of you know, like I like I mentioned a little bit earlier, the whole uh, leave in investigation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we sort of find we the way we meet our characters is uh, Jill and Hall's. Like, I guess it's as good as time as any to talk about the style of filmmaking that the way this film is directed. It's very, it's interesting, right? To where some of the film is like true found footage in the sense that we're seeing angles that are like, there's an excuse in the movie that Hall throws out at one point where he's like, Oh, I'm in like a film class in college. Yeah. So I'm just going to like, I'm filming shit to film shit. And so sometimes we get angles from his camera. Sometimes we get angles from their dash cam. Sometimes we get their body cams and stuff like that. But then there's just plenty of other shots that are not from a diegetic camera in the scene. They just, they shoot everything as if it's found footage, but there's tons of shots that are clearly, I mean, there's shots of them holding the camera and it's like, who is filming the guy yes. with the camera right now? So I don't know how you feel about it. I, I couldn't really decide whether like it obviously gives it this really gritty street level feel. And I like the creative angles that it sort of makes the, film have in moments where you wouldn't necessarily think that that's an angle you would shoot this kind of action from and things like that. And it makes you feel more, and it's it's the same with all found footage. You feel more sucked into the world because you are getting this perspective or whatever, but there's times where I found myself being like, I think I could go for this movie just being shot like a normal movie. And because the chemistry between the characters and stuff is so, is the part that's so good I don't know if we necessarily needed this found footage element of it, but it also does add a flavor to the film that is interesting. So I haven't really landed anywhere in particular as far as how I felt about it, but I'd love to know for you, like, I mean, is the found footage really working for you or is it just kind of like a byproduct of a film that just more mostly thrives on its characters and story? Uh, I'm curious for your thoughts. You know, actually I thought it was a really nice blend. And the only reason I say that is because I think it gives it an, a different element uh, being able to jump between those other camera angles, but being able to watch it through, you know, his handheld camera or the body camera or the dash camera. It does give a sense of immersion. And I think it works because I don't think the movie advertises itself to be a found footage or anything. It's right. just the, the way they went about it. So, you know, when you when you sit there and advertise that you're going to be a found footage and then to use other camera angles, that's that throws me off. Uh, I don't think the movie ever really said anything like, well, you mentioned that he was just doing a, 
uh, final project for his film class, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, which gives the excuse to use it. Um, it. It's a good blend. I could see it working either way, but I'm glad they chose that direction. Yeah, like I said, I have, I have a love-hate relationship with the way this film's directed because uh, there's times where it's really working and there's times where it's a little bit... It, it's It's always a little bad when you start thinking... Like, well, who's shooting this right now? What's going on? And then you just kind of, you, you kind of get into the the flow of the movie where everything's just going to look found footage, even if it's not necessarily coming from an active camera. That's just sort of, because like, I think for me, I think I even have a note in my notes. Um, I note in my notes, go figure. What a, what a great, what a great vocab there, Jake. Uh, but when Anna Kendrick and Jake Gyllenhaal like, have their sex scene or whatever, yeah. I was like, are we supposed to believe someone's filming this? Like what's happening right now? Cause he's not like holding a camera or anything, but they're it's just, it's just a good angle for the only thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that was like the moment where I was like, I kind of just have to let this go and just get on board. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's just, it, it just like, it's tough. Cause I don't like, uh, even though it weirdly, the found footage, I love the word you used immersion. It like brings you in, but it also can break it a little bit because you start trying to, logically think about wait who's filming this right now like why do they yeah. have why do they have two different angles of them in the car uh like what's going on here but yeah it's 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 not that big of a deal i, I do think the strengths lie with the characters and the script uh the filmmaking is interesting um but yeah like it's worth mentioning just because we're we see Hall on his camera and he's like in the locker room and filming him and pena and so we're just introducing both their characters like I, I kind of called him Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal. I called him like Z and Taylor, I think, throughout the film because they call Pena's character. His name's Mike uh, Zavala, and uh, yes. Hall's playing a character called Brian Taylor. But it's hard not to, you know. So it's like Z and Taylor are sort of our, our main characters here. Hall's playing Taylor. Pena's playing Z. Uh, we're meeting them. We even get like a little glimpse at their locker. They definitely have some more. It's very like frat boy energy. They're both like younger guys. I think we're meant to believe. Um, I can't imagine that either of them is even maybe older than 30. Uh, I would I, have to guess. I would have to guess they're in probably year five. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and they're very, they're very gung ho. They're happy to be back. Uh, we get, um, we also see David Harbor for two seconds. He just kind of yells at them uh, <laughs> and the lights stop, stop going here. He, he's sort of their, uh, He's not their sergeant, but he's like a sort of a more senior officer. Oh, uh, he's very um, curmudgeonly <laughs> uh, and loves he's, cigars. <laughs> he he's seen a thing too. Oh yeah, um, but we get this really good uh, morning meeting pep talk sort of thing where the captain is sort of he's welcoming Taylor and Z back. Where he's like, that's where we get the exposition. It's like they were gone for a month, but they were cleared. We've got your back. It's all. It's good to have you back. He hands it over to sort of their direct officer who's, he, he gives this big spiel. He's like, this is a ticket book. You need to be writing tickets or whatever. Uh, I think for me, the most, uh, there's, they really spent some time on this in the YouTube video I watched where the guy was sort of breaking down. He's like, you just, like, you have a lot of different types of officers and Taylor and Z are, I forget the phrase he used, but the hitters or something is what he called them to where they're out there looking for like real crimes and they want to like track stuff down and find guns and drugs. And they're not answering a lot of like domestic dispute calls. They're trying to leave that for other people. Whereas like 
it was interesting this guy was talking about he's like because he was on the forest for a while he's like there was a guy on the forest who was just he loved finding stolen cars he would just drive around and run hundreds of license plates every day he probably found 90 percent of the stolen cars we recovered that's just what he liked doing uh and it's just interesting because i don't think you think a lot about how yes you're getting calls all day but you're also filling your time up with things that you kind of actively want to pursue as an officer and it's a little bit at your discretion you know but we're also getting an insight into the characters they Pena and Gyllenhaal they're not writing a lot of tickets because that's not what they're interested in and he's yelling at them about it but they don't give a fuck really <laughs> no and that's absolutely true you know I, I want to say it's like any workplace you have the things you love to do and the things you do, you know you don't like to do um I was a warrant guy I liked looking uh warrant arrest especially in the smaller town that I worked for for a while um and outside of that, I'm, I love community relations. Any chance I could get out to, you know, talk to a kid or, you know, people to give a, you know, a positive image, you know, I was very community oriented, um, you know, and, and it was fun to go and, you know, get into a car, break it, you know, not break into a house, but, you know, get into a house on the search warrant, anything yeah, like yeah. that. It's fun to do, you know, you get the action, but, you know, I, it just depends on how you are. You know, I could, I liked a lot of the community relations stuff. Yeah, and and our our main guys, which works for the story, they they like the action. So the fact that we're following them means we're going to get some some action. We meet oh, some yeah. of the other officers. Uh, David Harbor, he has a rookie with him that he's trying to train. They call her Boot. That's sort of a typical sort of name for the uh, younger recruits and stuff like that. There's a couple uh, female officers that they have some banter with in the garage where they're just sort of like. Hey, why don't you pick up some of your fucking calls so we don't have to cover your ass all the time? They're like, whatever, fuck you. Again, just very like, uh, just busting each other's balls type of environment, you know. Uh, we, pretty much, we get our first call with them. They're they go to this house where this guy was like drunk and like harassing the mailman. Uh, it's it's a pretty insane way to start the movie off, where this guy's just like really berating them, and and uh, Z just finally goes fuck it you want to fucking fight and he just starts taking his shit off and he's like i'll i will straight up fight you right now i was like this seems incredibly uh unprofessional but okay here we go <laughs> you know and as bad as it may sound i have heard of a lot of instances like this exact one um is it true i don't know did i do it no uh have i heard about other officers that have done it yes <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting because um the video I was watching, he basically said the same thing. He's like, I never did that. He's like, but I did hear sometimes you just, he's like, the thing is like, you know, you get assholes berating you and you're, you're a human, you're a person. And sometimes it feels like you can only take so much before you're just like, fine, fuck it. Let's just fucking fight. Uh, it's funny because as far as this movie goes, it kind of works out in their favor because they could have like arrested this guy, but instead they just fight. Uh, and Z ends up coming out on top. And then, like, later in the uh, movie, the guy that he fought was like, you know what, actually, like, they're like, oh, we heard you got your ass whipped by a cop. He's like, yeah, but they were cool, though. Like, they didn't arrest me. And, you know, respect to that guy. I was like, this is, this is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because it seems to be a reoccurring thing in air movies because there's a, there's a whole subplot in Training Day where uh, Ethan Hawke gets kind of saved by the fact that he wanted to stop and stop this petty crime that didn't that ends up paying off for him because it's like turns out she was the niece of these guys who are about to kill him and stuff so 
Uh, he likes those little threads where, uh, like a cop does something and it kind of like pays off later because this guy ends up giving him a tip that people are after them, although they don't really take it too seriously. So I guess I don't know. <laughs> but uh, this the same guy though. Uh, we meet these. I don't remember what the name of the gang that's like a sub gang of the cartel is. They had a specific name, but I never wrote it down. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it was like the CSM the- or something like that. Yeah, uh, but yep. they're uh, curbside. No, that was curbside gang. Curbside gang locals. Yeah, that, that might be right. Like CGL. Uh, yeah, but they're they're like in a fight with I think the Bloods or something, and so we we meet these guys. The, they're uh, these characters aren't necessarily my favorite characters in the film. I don't think they're necessarily unrealistic, but they're very crazy and and drugged out, and they they. Uh, I'm not opposed to the word fuck uh, in the slightest, but they really push it to the limit for sure. It's like, you fucking fucking ready for this? You fucking, we gotta fucking shoot these guys. You fucking, I was just like, all right, guys, relax. Yeah. Uh, But it also like, I'm like, yeah, it's a pretty heightened moment where you're about to go do a drive by shooting. So I get it. It's maybe not even unrealistic, but all all the subplot with them, I was like, uh, I was like, oh, where's Jill and Hall and Pena? I want to get back to them. Yeah. <laughs> but they do, I, I agree. They do a drive by shooting. They, uh, even though, multiple people have machine guns i think they managed to hit one guy uh but I yeah guess, i guess that's a win for them <laughs> so, yeah yeah uh they they drive they drive off we we pretty much cut to the next day where they've torched the van uh that yes. they did the shooting in and we see z and taylor investigating this van taylor's kind of giving us exposition i'm like they like to use these vans because they got the sliding doors and oh there's a couple shells in there and they're investigating these detectives show up and they're like, are you fucking with my crime scene? And they're like, well, we didn't, we didn't do nothing. Turn the fucking camera off. Blah, blah. Well, that's, that's <laughs> actually a weird little scene for me. Um, there are departments that, you know, a regular patrol basically show up, secure the scene and it's, it's pushed up as somebody hired detective or somebody else mm-hmm. in both departments. I work for you were everything unless it was like a straight up, you have to talk to 50 or more people type scenario. Yeah. Uh, you were, you were initial responding officer all the way up to basically doing your investigation to figure out the crime. Uh, so that's, that's a little bit different for me, uh, especially with the torching of the car, you know, and the, the shell casings inside the car, a detective showing up and being like that. It's, you know, I'm not really, you know, I've worked with detectives and stuff before, but I, I can't tell you how many crime scenes that me or another officer I've been working close with have had to secure completely gather evidence, log evidence, everything else. You have a chain of evidence that you have to abide to, to make sure everything is legitimized in court. Um, so that's, that's a weird little, it's a good, it's a good observation. It's just a weird little scenario for me. I, I'm not used to a department of that caliber, you know, relying on people like that. Uh, yeah. In this movie, people. there's a couple times where they're, because they're like street cops and, they get involved with something that's like quote unquote bigger than their jurisdiction and people will come in and sort of like push them out or whatever. So we get these detectives who sort of chew them out and, and even there's, they're kind of like, Oh, they make a joke about best, most important thing about being a cop comfortable shoes. Cause we have to stand here for fucking ever and wait for people to show up. But David Harbor and the rookie show up to sort of tag them out. And this is where we get Harbor. Harbor just does this full on monologue where he's like, you fucking cowboys, you just don't understand. One of these days, the LAPD is going to bend you over and fuck you in the ass. Like, it just does this huge <laughs> cynical monologue, and they're just kind of smirking the whole time. But it's interesting because 
you kind of get it from his perspective or whatever. And he sees these guys because they're very gung ho. They're out there like getting into trouble kind of. Uh, and yeah. he's just like, he, it's weird because he's being an asshole about it, but it also feels like he's kind of warning them a little bit where he's like, Hey, you need to calm the fuck down. <laughs> and they're just kind of like, all right, buddy. Uh, they even like make jokes about it. They're like, can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> it's the old grumpy senior officer that secretly has a soft spot. Yeah. And he's so, he's so mean to the rookie too. Like, I love the way he delivers the uh, thing where he's like, you want to get out on the street and see if so make nobody, sure no rolls, one, <laughs> nobody rolls up and it. kills us. <laughs> yes. I love that. Little, yes. Uh, but yeah, they go off. We get some, uh, back and forth with Taylor and Z where Z's trying to kind of be like, Hey, you should like date a Mexican girl. That's what it's all about. And Taylor's kind of like, they're kind of making fun of each other where Taylor's doing like a voice and then Z does a voice and they're kind of busting each other's balls. I don't know if it's, Oh yeah, it's not here yet, but it was just like their banter is really good. Uh, they're funny. They're charismatic. You, you just really get the sense they've spent a lot of time together too. And it's also like, I really, one thing I really like about this movie is they feel so authentic, not just as people, but they talk about things that feel like what these kinds of guys would talk about, you know, uh, you know, the fact that, that Gyllenhaal's white and Pena is Mexican, uh, that does, that is a top, a frequent topic of the conversations they have. And it's a frequent point of ball busting for them, you know? Uh, and it's just, that's the kind of culture that they come from. And it's interesting. It, it feels very authentic, I guess. <laughs> no, it, it, it really does. They, like, like we had said earlier, it's the chemistry is undeniable between both of them. Uh, I do have to agree when you said that that's some of the best laid down on film. I, I, I'm right there, you know, mm -hmm. everything is so authentic and real and just so fluent with each other and uh, you know what's going on um what those characters would be going through or what they would talk about uh, being in the same car together and i want to say the movie even mentions that they went to the academy together as well so yeah they've been in it for the long haul and ended up partners so that's that would be something that would be phenomenal i mean i would have loved to have done that been yeah in a car with somebody i went to the academy with i, I couldn't think of anything better <laughs> yeah it's just interesting because they, they all like like even though they make fun of each other you know, there's a scene that really stuck out in my mind where Z says to Taylor, he's just like, you want, you're like the what? smartest guy I know, uh, you know? And it's funny because it's like Hall's character. I mean, you, you look at him in the movie and he's bro-y and stuff, but there's definitely like an intelligence there, but you don't think of him as like a ultra scientific smart guy. So it really says a lot about these characters when Z's like, you're like the smartest dude I know. Uh, it tells you like the, what? the field they're playing in a little bit. It's interesting. Cause like, you know, I've seen both these characters play such dramatically different characters. And yet these characters feel so specific, uh, in their belief systems and like what they think about and talk about. I mean, half the stuff they talk, they pretty much just talk about girls and relationships all the time. Uh, but of course that's what they would do. Uh, and, and it's just, it's really interesting. It, it says a lot that even like I could probably have spent more time in the movie just watching them drive around and banter as opposed to like them going on calls. Uh, the calls mm -hmm. are interesting and they can be really harrowing and almost horrific in a, in a sort of weirdly entertaining way. But I also just love watching them talk. Like whenever it cuts to them in the front of the car and they're just shooting the shit, I'm like, yeah, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> yeah. The post credit scene did a, I, did you watch the post credit? Yeah. 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 
I, I love that scene. That was great. I mean, those moments where you're just belly laughing like that or mm-hmm. to the point you're crying are some of the best moments you can get. Yeah, it says a lot that that's kind of how they close the movie out is like you have this horrible, dramatic thing and this. By the way, guys, I, I forgot to say it at the top of the episode, but whenever I cover a movie on the show, going to spoil the absolute shit out of it. Uh, <laughs> if you don't want to be spoiled, go watch the movie first. Uh, it's very accessible. Uh, you can find it, watch it, come back. Or if you don't mind being spoiled, keep listening, please. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, when they, the movie ends in a sad way and there's this funeral, but then the real final scene is them just talking about a funny thing that happened. And that's how they close the movie out. It's like, it tells you kind of everything you need to know <laughs> about what the movie's really about uh, in, in a way. But they get this call. Uh, this woman's freaking out because her kids are missing. They show up at this house. Uh, long story short, it just turns out that these horrible people uh, took their two baby children and threw them in the closet and taped them up. Uh, again, it's 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 hard to watch, but it's very uh, revealing. You know, it's like early on in the movie, we're seeing like some of the shit that they come in contact with every day, and it's kind of like it's the stuff that will probably they'll probably neither of them will ever forget the sight of it. You know, and it's it's nice because you know they save these kids or whatever, but it's like how many more incidents like this are out there and stuff like that and it's 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 just a glimpse at some of the harrowing shit you can see sometimes and then you're just you know, supposed to move I, on with your day <laughs> and unfortunately that's that's all too real in the world you know and it, and it that that scene in particular is extremely emotional for me because i do have a child and i yeah. can never ever in my entire lifetime ever imagine harming or you know taking advantage of somebody so innocent it's just that that to me is the utmost worst of the worst. You know? Yeah, I really like the way that Pena and Gyllenhaal play the scene too, because they're like when Gyllenhaal sees the kids and comes back, you can tell he just wants to beat the shit out of this guy, and he manages to restrain himself, but he is he is pissed, and of course you yes. would be if you saw something mm-hmm. like this. So I love that you can just see it on the character's face. They're both oh, yes. they're both haunted and very angry uh, at, at what they've seen. Uh, and Pena in particular has a couple more calls later in the movie where he clearly is like very upset and he's trying to contain himself, but you can just see how, how mad he is. And he, he, it's, it's just, of course. Yeah. Um, it, it shows the humanity of the situation. Yeah. Those those are people in those uniforms that have to deal with the, you know, uh, the most evil of the world, you know, it's, um, Mm -hmm. you see things that most people don't want to believe are true. Uh, and like you, like you've mentioned a couple of times, you just have to go about your day. You know, that's the first hour of your shift. You've got however many more hours left to work. You know, yeah. Eight hour shift, 10 hour shift, 12 hour shift, whatever it may be. It's tough. <laughs> uh, they have a, they have a fun conversation after this though, where they're just talking about girls, Jill and Hall. Uh, it's Taylor is sort of like just talking about like, I, I go on these dates with these girls, but I just want someone I can actually talk to. He's, he's being like interestingly vulnerable in this moment where, and he's like, whatever, you're getting laid. Who gives a shit? I've been with the same girl since I was like 17. He's like, and what are you whining about? And Taylor's just kind of like, I don't, I just want someone I can hang out with and talk to. Like, whatever, man. <laughs> like, and then he also kind of just reveals he is seeing somebody currently that's kind of cool who will later find out is uh, Anna Kendrick's character, Janet, I believe. But uh, yes. <laughs> um, we get this pretty intense scene where they go to the, those guys that we saw do that drive-by shooting earlier, they're having a big party and the police sort of just crash the party. Uh, 
I'm glad I watched that YouTube video because they're crashing the party. It's funny because Taylor, as they're walking away, was like, I don't know, keep the music down. I think this was a noise complaint or something. Like he he's like so yeah. obviously like we all know that we're not really here for this. Uh but the guy was talking about he's like, Yeah, you would go into situations like that and he's like, I'd make sure my body cam is on because we know this is like a gang house and he's like, We're just there to collect information. So really all these cops are there just to sort of like get the lay of the land because they know this is a hot spot. They're not there because the music's too loud. Uh, and then they don't explain any of this in the movie. You just kind of have to put the pieces together or whatever. But it's a pretty. And they do a fantastic job of that. Like you said, his side comment at the end, make sure to keep the music down. Is <laughs> yeah. it's a big, it's a big reveal as to why they're there. Like they're not, not that many officers for that little. Of, of yeah. It's, it was it's, like a full on squad. It's tense too. Cause there, there still is only like five or six of them and they're just surrounded. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a big, it's actually a really interesting power uh, struggle that's going on. Like, I think it's America Ferrara that gets in an argument with the one woman who's like just openly smoking weed in front of her. And she's like, really, you're going to do that? And she's like, oh, whatever, what are you going to do about it? And it's like, uh, it's just, it's pretty tense, uh, in a, in a good way. Uh, seemed like those two had history together as well, but it never really went into more. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. Cause she, she acted like, she's like, Oh, you know what this is. I, I don't know if she's like just connecting to her cause like she's a woman or, or what was going on there. But, yeah, we get to, uh, there was a joke earlier in the movie where Taylor was like, oh, then I got to go to this quinceanera and this quinceanera. I, I think it's kind of funny how it comes back because they, him and his new girlfriend get invited to Pena's niece's quinceanera. <laughs> so we get this party scene where they're kind of chatting and uh, Anna Kendrick's there. We're meeting her and uh, Pena and his wife are like, she's cool. We actually like her. And uh, Taylor's kind of like, oh, okay, maybe. Uh, we get that aforementioned sex scene. I just have a bunch of question marks next to that. Uh, we get a cute scene where Janet is looking through his wallet and like talking into his cam- into his camera and being like, I'm going through your wallet. Fuck you. Uh, you won't need these numbers anymore. I'm here to stay. It's cute. Like It's like you, you kind of get invested in their relationship a little bit because she seems interesting and they seem to get along pretty well. There's not a lot to their relationship in the movie, but you get it, I think. <laughs> I don't know if you have any strong feelings about that aspect of the film. <laughs> you know, no, I, I'm more of the, the whole cop aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I think that was just a, I think that was just a way to character build, you know, with, with him, relate to him more, maybe. Um, and not, not discrediting that at all. It's uh, it is, it, it's a cute scene. We get, uh, they're, they're like scoping out that house. I think that they were at earlier and they see this guy get like handed some like soup or something. And they're kind of like strategizing on what, because they want to follow him and pull him over because they're pretty convinced he's up to something. Uh, really briefly, their sergeant like pulls up beside him and starts yelling at them. They're like, dude, we're staking out this house. He's like, they fucking know you're out here. He's like, stop pointing the camera at detectives. I'm getting calls about it. You need to chill out. And they're like, whatever, man. Uh, but they follow this guy. And again, it's like, it's like just like the noise complaint thing. They're like, what do we pull him over for? He's like, I don't know. He's got like a CD on his rear view mirror. It could be obstructing his vision. I guess we could go with that. And he's like, all right, sounds good. And you're just like, oh shit. <laughs> they just need a probable cause to pull him over. And they don't really care what it is. Uh, Cause they're pretty convinced he's up to something pretty crazy. Cause that's, that's definitely not uncommon. Uh, especially, <laughs> you know, people leaving drug houses. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll never forget when I was younger, I was driving around in a neighborhood. I was trying to go to my friend's house and it was kind of late at night. 
and I got pulled over. And the reason they pulled me over was because they said my license plate light was out, which it was, I think. Uh, but then they wanted to search my car. And I was just like, they kept being like, got any drugs on you? Any guns? I was like, yeah, what? No. Like, <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? But I mean, yeah, sometimes if they suspect something's up, they'll figure out a way. <laughs> uh, it's kind of crazy because they're both pretty sure this could be rough. We see them get out of the car and like put their hand on their guns and stuff. This guy like immediately tries to shoot Z. It's 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 pretty crazy. Like Z dodges it and they pull him out of the truck. And I was just like, God damn, dude. It's just it's pretty crazy that the guy just didn't even bother getting out of the car. Just immediately like I don't know what his plan was. Like I mean he had some stuff in the car that wasn't great, but it didn't necessarily have to go down like that. <laughs> but again, it's like uh z literally just got shot a gun was fired like two inches away from his face and there's they do a lot of bit they have a lot of business about are you all right you fine he's just i'm fine whatever it's fine it's like man you almost like died like like two more inches and but he's just kind of shrugging it off or whatever but yeah they they find this crazy gun on him he's got like a crazy decked out ak in his car they liberace's ak liberace's ak which i love that he says that to taylor and then later he says it to their boss too but he like just repeats the same joke because he's like proud of the joke it's it's a good bit uh but they they find a bunch of money in there too uh but yeah i mean it's pretty pretty crazy traffic stop there <laughs> yeah that's uh that's that's definitely escalated quickly in that scenario. <laughs> uh you get like a, the briefest mention of them being like and now we have to do paperwork but the movie doesn't dwell on the paperwork too much but i mean that's a big thing uh <laughs> for sure most of your time is doing paperwork yeah uh there's like some business with taylor and and janet going on a trip there's not really a lot there i think our next big real thing here is that they get called to the scene of a house fire uh and oh yeah z charges in gung-ho and taylor's like fuck and like follows him in and they rescue these two kids come out with them and then the lady's like my daughter's still in there and so it's pretty I think this is where the found footage is really paying off in the film because you feel trapped in the house with them, like under the fire and smoke and they're like dying. Cause I mean, mm -hmm. uh, not that I would ever wish anybody be in a house fire and not that I have myself, but it's like, if you start inhaling smoke, it will just straight up kill you. Like more people yes. die from smoke inhalation than being like yep. burned alive, you know, yep. and again, to the realism of the movie, they're trying to belly crawl, but they're both just like on the verge of passing out in the middle of this house that's on fire. <laughs> I want to say at one point Z even pulls Taylor him as they have the child with them. Yeah. Too. They're like having to as like yank both. each other out. They're both just like almost dying. And it's, it's a very harrowing scene. I, I was like, this is horrifying to watch. Uh, and again, the, the, I think this is where the uh, found footage aspect is paying off a lot too, because it just, you feel trapped in the house. with. Oh, them. absolutely. Yeah, you do. And you know, and, they, they were bold for going in there. Um, a lot of the times the fire department's not too far away. I would say, I guess, a scenario like that where the woman was already out front yelling about her children, um, maybe I would have gone in too. Uh, but it's hard to say in that scenario because I've been pretty close to house fires. And without the proper gear on, it's a yeah. quick way to get yourself hurt and become a liability. It's definitely a moment to where you would think realistically they would wait, wait for the properly trained fire people. But because of who they are as characters, it's pretty believable that they would charge in and, and do this because I mean, they definitely yeah. have an air of like 
they they think they're a little bit invincible for sure and they've yeah. been through some scraps already and, and come out the other side of it unscathed so you kind of get the attitude a little bit but and, and i like taylor's hesitation as well you know yeah it's they're they're those characters but he also hesitates before he he goes in and it's that's a situation that was beyond the caliber of what their training is like you mentioned in yeah the- i think even later when they're in the store i think taylor has a line where he's basically like hey man uh if we ever come up to a house fire again, I don't think I can go in. Uh, he basically is admitting to Z's like I'm traumatized by that. And and, yeah. and when they're outside after it, he is like having a full on panic attack. Uh, and and like they're just like get away from him, get away from him. And like Z's like trying to hold him and be like I'm there, I'm here, I'm here, man. And and Taylor is just losing his shit. Uh, like I mean, they came very close to dying. Uh, and yeah. it's pretty crazy. Yeah. That, that's another aspect of this profession where it's just like, it's like, yeah, uh, almost died today, uh, as part of my job. That was pretty crazy, huh? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And at least, at least they got the, uh, at least they got the medal of lifesaving award. I yeah. They get, they get the medal of valor, which I liked. Uh, or yeah. They got the medal of valor. <laughs> uh, where it's just like, Hey, they rescued, they fucking saved some children from a fire. They get medals. I thought this was almost factor in more. I thought for sure we were going to cut to the bad guys, like seeing them on TV and be like, yo, those are the guys. But uh, just, it's kind of like, no, it's this movie is very vignette and it's just more about the scenes as they happen. It's just kind of like, yeah, they rescued some kids from a fire. They got a medal of value. Again, they're, they're hero cops for all intents and purposes. Uh, and it's part of what's kind of fun about following them around. Uh, is like, they, they do crazy shit. Uh, well, what's funny is they end up in this grocery store. It's probably one of the best scenes in the movie where they're just kind of hanging out by the drink section. And Taylor's like, you feel like a hero? Z's like, I don't know, not really. Taylor's like, yeah, me neither. <laughs> and just like, they're talking about like, they're kind of, it's like, you know, it feels like after a situation like that, like they should be in therapy or something like that. But instead they're kind of trying to do a mini therapy session with each other where it's like that was pretty crazy we almost died a lot of guys (laughs) a lot of guys and gals will not go yeah um it's almost like a uh what do you want to call it it's like it's an outlier in a way um there's just there's a different word i'm looking for it's not coming to me it's like Uh, a bit like taboo it's like looked down upon a little bit taboo yeah uh where it's like oh what are you you weak you you need to you need to go see a shrink or whatever it's like kind of what the entire plot of the sopranos was was it's like Oh man, I'm this. I'm supposed to be this big tough mob boss, but I'm going to therapy because I keep passing out randomly. And it's like, these people see it as a sign of weakness, almost. Where it's like, no, you should probably have someone you can talk to about this instead of just no, keeping I, it yeah. all deep bottled down inside. <laughs> that was my whole thesis in college was uh, stressors and law enforcement and stuff. So they're they're kind of trying to sound off on each other, but they just like again. I, I just like how realistic it is. It just feels like, yeah, that's the conversation they would have where they're both pretty shook up by it, but they're just kind of being like, uh, yeah, that was crazy, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> um, they decide that they want to follow up on that house that they followed that guy from. So they, they go to it. They, they're, they're knocking, they're searching. Um, there's a, they, but they hear a scream. So they bust in. There's this guy who's acting pretty nonchalant. They grab him immediately. Long story short to this little, thing is they just seem to discover a human trafficking ring and that's pretty fucking harrowing too <laughs> it's just like what that's <laughs> a lot of stuff for a career man <laughs> at that point this whole uh because i think it's 
uh, I don't know. I can never remember if this part, if there was a guy there, but like we spend a lot of time um, with them, like going through this house because they were called or that's right. Cause yeah, the whom the human trafficking thing is a call that they decided to go on. There's a whole separate uh, thing. That, yeah. The welfare check. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I've got my notes straight. So let me rewind. Uh, they follow up on the drug house and they discover a human trafficking ring. Um, and, uh, this this is one of the scenes where we see uh, Z. He's very upset by this because presumably these are all like people from south of the border. Uh, so he's just like, "What the fuck? They're just trafficking people." Some of these people are injured, and all these like ICE agents swarm the building. They start yelling at Taylor and Z, like, "You just fucked up like six months of an investigation for us. Thanks a lot." Again, where we're talking about the jurisdiction and the ranks and stuff, and they're just kind of like outside, like. We don't know what the fuck's going on. What the fuck is going on? Should we just leave? He's like, I want to talk to the guy. Like, I, I don't understand what's happening. And the guy's just kind of like, look, man, this is like serious cartel shit. And it's above your pay grade. And they're like, well, we should know if there's cartel shit happening in the city. And, and the guy's just kind of like, fuck off, dude. And it's just like, it's just this weird rank pulling thing. That's this sort of power struggle that we're watching. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I expect he. And the only thing is, he just he throws him a bone. He yeah. says, "You're talking on the tail end of a mighty big snake, and it's going to turn around and bite you." And- yeah, I mean, he warns them a little bit, but uh, we see that uh, it was established earlier that Z's wife was pregnant. She has her kid. We see them, uh, Taylor and his girlfriend, visit them. And again, it goes to show you like how much time is like passing uh, in the movie, you know, to where it's been long enough that she was a little bit pregnant and now she's having a kid. So months are going by while we're checking in with these characters. It's not just all, like I said, just one week or whatever, but it's cute. They got a kid. You can obviously see that, uh, Taylor and his girlfriend are suddenly like, well, should we, you know, have a kid or whatever. I think even Taylor talks to Z about like, I I think I'm going to like marry her. And Z's kind of like, yo man, you need to be like, sure. If you're going to marry her, it's that's a, a really serious thing. He has a good line about, He's like, I talked to my grandma and asked her, how did you know? And she's like, well, can you live without her? Because if you can, then do her a favor and, and don't try to marry her because that's the only way you know. So and get get little bits of like wisdom from these characters. Uh, but we kind of, we get a pretty interesting scene where they get a call. Uh, they're they're kind of like, because basically the new recruit, the boot, uh, so to speak, they hear her on the radio and she's like, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm lost. I'm chasing this guy. And they're like, kind of like snickering a little bit. Like, like, tell us where the street is. What are you doing? Fucking rookie or whatever. But then it's, you can hear it starting to get more serious and then they get a little bit panicked. And so they start rushing. They come they come across David Harper, who just has a fucking knife sticking out of his eye. And he's just like, (laughs) so like, I don't know his demeanor at the whole thing. He's just so done with it even though he's like been horrifically injured. He's just like, what the fuck, man? He's like, I don't know where she went. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, you have a knife sticking out of your eye. <laughs> Pretty horrible. Uh, they managed to find the guy that she was chasing, but unfortunately he's uh, just beating the shit out of her. Uh, they, they stop him, but he just kind of gives up immediately. So they just arrest him. There's even like a little bit of back and forth where, their sergeant's kind of like, why didn't you shoot him? He's kind of like, I don't know. He gave up. I didn't want to kill anybody today, I guess. Uh, but pretty, pretty horrible. We find out that the rookie was like literally retired on the spot 
after this incident. Um, it's pretty, pretty scary stuff. Like where sometimes you get a little ahead of yourself and you're like, I'm, I'm here, I'm chasing the perp. And then you find yourself in some back alley and you don't know how you got there. And it's you versus some gigantic guy. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's pretty scary stuff. <laughs> and, it, and it's, you know, it's possible too. you know, it's easy to get turned around when you're not on the road, you know, especially going through yards and hopping fences or down alleyways going this direction, that direction. So yeah, it's a, uh, it, it can be, it can get scary. And then, like you said, it's a one V one until backup arrives. Uh, more time passes, I think, because uh, we just cut to Taylor's getting married to Janet. Uh, they, we have this, we have this pretty long wedding scene. There's a lot of really fun back and forth. I don't know if there's anything in the wedding in particular that sticks out to you. It's all good, but it's also just kind of like fun character stuff. We see the Sarge, like he tells the story about losing his partner and stuff like that. Uh, we get a lot of bonding with Taylor and Z where Z's just kind of like, I'll, I, it kind of, the whole thing ends with Z just kind of being like, if anything happened to you, I would be there for her. And he's, it's, it's, he's trying there cause everyone's like drunk too. So it's, it's just anybody that's ever been in like a wedding or a, a late night situation where all the feelings start coming out cause you've all been drinking and stuff. It's just, again, it's very realistic. It really, I've been in that situation many a time and it felt, uh, just like how that stuff feels. And we were just watching these characters go through it. <laughs> it's really good. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've been there too, you know, married myself and, uh, yeah, a couple weddings, it's authentic it's it's good but yeah it's a good scene i I like the wedding stuff uh this is where we get the welfare check that i got confused by yeah Uh, they get called because someone says they haven't heard from their mom they bust Mm -hmm. in it's a really good like i think horror movies could kind of take a note from the sequence uh because as they're like going through this house you just keep expecting something to jump off or jump out or somebody to be waiting they're checking all these rooms and clearing them and stuff. And they know something's dead in there because they can smell it. Uh, but they just, oh, yeah. they find this crazy ass drug house with like just boxes and boxes of like heroin or Coke or something. There's dead bodies everywhere that have been like cut up and shit. This seems to be the final straw for the cartel. We literally get this really weird uh, night vision scene where uh, someone gets a call basically to put a hit out on these two cops, which is like, Oh no, because we're kind of coming into our third act climax here where yeah. like not only these, these two guys have been poking their noses out too much to the point where literally somebody specifically wants them dead because they have fucked their shit up too many times. And, and that's what that scene, that's actually the scene I dislike the most in the movie is the fact that that was picked up by ice. The same people we had seen earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't do anything because it's it's played out like they're recording it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, they just they don't give them a heads up or anything. It's just they end up finding out from the guy that uh, Z fought earlier. Yeah. He's like, "Hey, I heard that like some people want you dead." And they're like, "Yeah, everybody wants us dead. We're cops." He's like, "I'm being for real." So it's it's an interestingly tense scene too because the whole time Z has like his gun to the door, like in case something's gonna happen. So even though they're talking to a guy that they presumably have a relationship with they're still very cautious i don't know there's just like a lot of really interesting attention to detail in the film and i I like that kind of stuff um but yeah we see the gang following them but then they kind of realize it's not really the time and place so it's like pretty harrowing because they're just shooting the shit but we also are privy to the fact that they're being followed and you're like fuck look behind you notice you're being followed or whatever they they end up deciding now is not the time so you're just like oh shit 
Uh, we get this really brief random break where they do this shaving cream joke. I, I found it really, yeah. uh, the timing of it in the movie was interesting. It almost just breaks up the tension for a moment where we're just seeing them be kind of like frat boys. Uh, I myself have been on the receiving end of the classic uh, shaving cream uh, joke at basketball camp. I woke up and uh, smashed shaving cream into my own face. So it's not fun, but I mean, I get why people do it. It's funny for them. but <laughs> uh, I, I have not been on the other end of that joke. But I just I kind of wandered to the bathroom and washed my face. It's fine. Uh, but yeah. they get they get baited basically there's a guy who like obviously like breaks some traffic laws in front of him he runs the red light if i remember correctly yeah and they're like oh get him chase him he gets out runs into a building they chase him the gang members are waiting for them they just unload on them in the middle of this apartment square miraculously i think other than taylor catching a bullet to the hand they don't get shot here they go into this poor woman's house with who's just got a baby and they're trying to hide it the gang unloads on the apartment and then Taylor, who has like military training, you kind of see him really take over here in this yes. moment where yeah. he's like, all right, we're going to fire. We're going to get out of here. It's, I mean, it's the climax. It's pretty harrowing. And you're really, your heart's pumping. You're rooting for them to get out of it. There's a lot of people that are after them. They get some crazy shit. Uh, they, there's like a guy waiting for them in a car, but Taylor manages to shoot him before he shoots them. They're running down this alley. Uh, there's this car coming towards them. Uh, they, they're like, is it one of ours? We don't know. Taylor gets shot. He goes down, like he gets shot, like kind of in the a right part of his chest. Yeah. Uh, yep. Z sort of got pressure on the wound. And I mean, as a first time viewer, you know, this is like, I'm like, I have no fucking clue, uh, what's, what's going to happen here. Cause I'm like, is Taylor, is Taylor, is he dead? Like what's going on? And then like, it's really, again, guys, spoilers for the movie. Uh, but you know, Z's got pressure on the wound. They're hoping like their backup will show up, but no, unfortunately the gang sort of like comes out of the shadows and they just fucking light Z up in a way that's like, I'm watching the movie. I was like, well, Z is, I mean, he is dead. Uh, there's just no way even pop a couple more caps in him as they're like walking away. Uh, and then the other cops finally show up and mow these guys down, but a little bit too late. Uh, Z gets yeah. killed. Um, we cut to a funeral. I, I will say I, I was a little bit ahead of the movie at this point where I was like, I feel like Taylor's probably still going to be alive. And sure enough, there he is in the, the front pew. But Z, Z is dead. Our man Z with the wife and the kid. And he fucking died, man. And it's it's hard, man. And they play the funeral very realistically, too, where they bring Taylor up and he's like supposed to, you know, say a couple words. And he just kind of cries and says he was my brother. And then just can't say anything else. And like mm -hmm. uh, Janet and Z's wife are bawling. And it's just like, it's, it's tough, man. Cause you, you like these characters. You're on board for their camaraderie. Uh, it, it's horrible. Like uh, it's, it's a pretty, pretty downer, pretty downer. Ending for sure. No, it is. It is a downer. Yeah. The police officer funerals, any, any act of service of anything, EMT, firefighter, Marine, army, military, police, those funerals are some of the hardest ones to go to uh -huh. because we turn up in the support from a lot of people, a lot of people. It's just tough. Like, and you know, like ultimately, like even looking back at the thing, Z kind of inadvertently saves Taylor. Cause when they're about to shoot them, he sort of covers yeah. his body and stuff. Yep. So it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, I, I do applaud the movie sure. for, I like that. Cause I don't even think this is an after credit scene. I think it just, 
the scene after this is them having the conversation where it just is like earlier that day and z tells the story about he was about to have sex with gabby for the first time and her parents came home and he like hid under the bed and they started (laughs) doing it and he was under the bed and he was just like this is what the fuck and they're both like losing their shit over it and like that so we we end on this camaraderie moment but it's obviously bittersweet because we know what happened or whatever but I, i like that they gave us this tiny little breather before they just cut to the credits but yeah i mean i guess kind of in keeping in line with how realistic the movie is they didn't really shy away from the fact that the shit happens sometimes you know uh it, and it's hard uh especially for two characters that you grow to love over the course of the film because their chemistry oh. is so great you know and you just feel it so is. bad for taylor because it's like that was his best friend in the world like by a mile and it's like I don't know. You don't even know what's going to happen with him. Like, will he keep being a police officer? Or will he quit after this? We don't know. He's like horrifically injured uh, from everything. So yeah, sad ending, but it's also one of those things where, you know, a lot of times when I watch a movie, I do applaud a movie for having the balls to go there for sure. Like, and I like a happy ending just as much as anybody, but I tend to remember the dark endings a little bit better too. So yeah, it's, it's tough. It sticks with you. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> Oh, no, it does. And, and the darker endings stick with you. I mean, look at The Mist. That's a classic example. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Not forgettable. So, <laughs> so that's the movie. Uh, is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about as far as the film goes? You don't know. I think I think we hit on the ballpark of, you know, everything that, you know, the film encompasses and the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the uh, do's and do's, the authenticity of it, you know. The Terminator ask of some moments. I mean, it, it was all covered pretty well, you know. <laughs> yeah, but you do, you do really feel like they have. Uh, they do feel there's just you know when you're a younger person who's been through those kind of scrapes, you get this sort of uh, feeling of invulnerability sometimes. Uh, like like I can't die. I would have died already if if I could. Uh, so it can be, it and, and you know you can tell they get a little bit of a charge out of it too. Uh, but but I love how much they do still. When they're really in the shit and like they're in this final gunfight, they're both like they're scared and they know they're oh, yeah. they're in big trouble. Uh, and they, it's not just they're not just putting on brave faces. We see them terrified. Uh, and again, I, I really applaud the acting in the film too. Um, I yes. told you before, uh, you're welcome to rate the movie if you'd like, but don't feel like you have to. What's the what's the scale you use? I use I use a one to ten rating I'm... typically. Uh, my scale is a little weird on this show though. I always tell people. Um, because I'm theoretically covering some of the best movies of all time, because that's sort of the objective of the show is like watching stuff that uh, people consider classics or whatever. Hence the name yeah, Clear Tinted Classics. I have a grading curve. I the example I always use is the very first episode I ever did. I did The Godfather. For me, that is a five out of five, ten out of ten movie. But on the show, I gave it an eight point five. Uh, but okay. I, I don't really ask people to adhere to that grading curve. Like. I'd almost be more interested in just what you would generally give the movie if you want to rate it, but literally no pressure. Uh, if I had to do an out of five scale, I'd be, I would put it pretty high. I'd put it at a four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it, this movie is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Like I knew it would be entertaining and interesting and I'd always heard good things about it, but I was not prepared for how good the script was and how good the camaraderie was between the two characters and how much I would care about them by the end of the film. And I like the gritty street level feel of it. Um, I don't know for this show, it's hard to say. 
I think I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10, which for this show is a very high rating, honestly. I really like this movie. Uh, I'm really, I was watching it last night, like I said, like 20, 30 minutes in, I was like, damn, Hunter picked a banger. This is, I'm really glad. This isn't (laughs) one I would have like gone out of my way to see. And so I'm glad. I'm I'm glad that you watched it, you know, and I'm very glad you liked it. It gives a good conversation. You know, hopefully I've been conversive enough with you in terms (laughs) of. No, no. I I like your insights a lot, obviously, as someone that's been on the other side of it too. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's very enlightening. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you picked this one. It was, it was super fun to watch and it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even have like come up except for you suggested it. And I, I love when that happens the way it works out. No, uh, I'm, but, I'm glad that, no. you know, speaking of other things that you like, uh, is there anything that you would recommend to the audience, like movie wise that you'd like people to check out? Like, obviously we'll get the plugs and they should check out the stuff that you've made, but is there anything yeah. else, uh, that comes no, to mind? Um- Actually, yes, and I just happened to think of it in like the last minute that we were talking. Um, I don't remember. Let me see. Like, I want to see who made this movie. Um, I know M Night Shyamalan's attached to it, give or take that name as you will. <laughs> I I thoroughly enjoy this movie. Um, Is it the found footage one that he did? No, not the visit. Devil. Oh, okay, um, yeah, the elevator the director, one. Uh, John Dowdle. Is that how you say his name? Oh, I don't know. John Dowdle. I want to say M. Night Shyamalan was attached to this in some way, shape, or form, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. Um, Is that the one that's movie in the called elevator? Devil? Yeah, with the elevator. 2010. That's a sleeper. That's a sleeper of a horror movie. I love the story behind that and the mythology. Um, I I really like that movie a lot. Yeah, I remember when it was... I, I love, you know, being in the indie film world and stuff. There's just... Sometimes there's a movie that's like... It feels like just a good concept that's like set in a contained space and it's hard not to appreciate that kind of stuff so i remember i never saw this but i remember when it came out being like wow uh, a movie that's like set in this claustrophobic elevator that becomes like supernatural almost i'm like that's a pretty that's a pretty interesting idea <laughs> like i, I like oh, the idea that that's me is probably uh, you know and this is this is a strong opinion of my own it's that's probably one of the best horror movies i've ever seen wow um, okay i i like it i i, I like I it i like the strong movie. recommendation <laughs> yeah i i don't know if it's a comfort movie or what but if you haven't seen you know anybody listening to this podcast right now if you haven't seen devil give that a watch 2010 um give that a watch because that is that is one of those movies that just has such a good build-up mythology and a great twist at the end that it really does. I mean, you can guess it. It's 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 not too terrible to guess, but what's going on? But it's just um, the connections there are great. No, that's a great recommendation. I, I like that a lot. Um, for me, I'm gonna keep it pretty obvious. I already mentioned it earlier in the show, but uh, Training Day. I fucking love yeah. Training Day uh it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time if anyone i'm gonna give it a rewatch yeah if anyone hasn't seen it like i mean i just it's just so memorable it's one of those movies where it's like a classic like oh shit this scene oh shit this scene's happening now um and just it's got a lot of nuance to it it's got a lot of depth to it if you want something a little more off the beaten path uh one of my favorite uh cop movies that i i like a lot actually is street kings which i think david Ayer wrote um okay it's like this keanu reeves movie where he's this like alcoholic cop who he's like a dirty cop but then it like the as the plot unfolds you're kind of like he's a dirty cop but he still kind of has a a justice streak to him 
and he it's just it's interesting like it's not the greatest movie ever made uh but i like street kings i've always had a real soft spot for it. i saw it in theaters um uh and keanu reeves is actually pretty damn good in it honestly <laughs> uh but I, i'll have to check that one out yeah training day is the big one for sure and i mean it's david air uh, david air wrote street kings and training day so there's a connection oh, there wow. too so um but last but not least uh you talked a little bit about some of the movies but please like plug anything you want any social medias you want people to follow any movies you want people to go check out i'm a big fan of tubi i i, I evangelize okay. tubi a lot because i i think it's a great streaming service it's like uh yeah watch a couple commercials and you can watch so much good shit for free oh yeah, uh, so but yeah anything you want to plug please uh no, now like, is the time yeah absolutely like i said just go check out horror dad productions we've got facebook um Instagram, TikTok, whatever, uh, you know, movies out there on Tubi, Wicked Horror, Point of View, uh, Amazon. Uh, just go check out our stuff. The Flock, The Devil's Children, Tahoe Joe, Mothman. Uh, look out for more to come. Uh, Ghost this year, The Woodman this year. And uh, hopefully, hopefully a really exciting movie that I can't say. Right now. <laughs> That's exciting. If, if that lands, it's going to it's gonna turn some heads, So Yeah, guys. Yeah, he's got exciting stuff loaded up. You need to go follow him so you can keep you can keep up with it, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for being so generous with your time. Uh, thanks Jake, for I the recommendation. I'm so glad we got to talk about this. Uh, it was fun. No, absolutely. <laughs> As absolutely. I, I appreciate you having me, Jake. It's always a pleasure, you know, to be able to talk to an old friend, you know, uh, I love Macabre Mountain. That was a great set. A lot of great people there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it, we had it, it, as far as plugs now. go, keep your eyes peeled, uh, for later this year. I'm sure you'll start seeing more about Macabre Mountain guys. Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Check that you might out. even Sandra get to Gold. see Hunter running around uh, on camera. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate you, man. 100%. Um, you uh, 